Hello and welcome to another edition of the UK Pick 6 podcast, looking at all things NFL action and trying to make money off all things NFL action. I, myself, Ollie Wilson, am joined as always by David Black and Jazz Gillum as we go around the wildcard weekend playoff games and look ahead to the divisional matchups as the playoffs are in full swing and we're all very glad to see the New England Patriots straight out of it. Gentlemen, how are we all doing? Very good. Good week for football, that. Great to see the Cowboys go out on week 17 and the Pats go out on the wild card round. Oh, amazing. And two overtime games out of four. Yeah. I mean, apart from that damp squib of a last game with, with the, the Eagles, Eagles Ollie, Eagles, yeah. that we don't need to Which talk about Which we blame you much. for, Ollie. It's all your fault. Oh, cheers. Thanks. Anytime. No, I wasn't, wasn't hurting over that at all. Not as much <laughs> as Carson Wentz was hurting over that cheap shot by Jadavian Clowney, but we'll... We'll actually avoid that, I think, in the podcast, to be honest, and save it for the uh, after-hours extra that we're going to fill in. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very disappointing. It was very disappointing. It, but it, the, the other games were absolutely incredible. So yeah. three out of four is, uh, is pretty play, That's what you want player football to be. Close to the wire. You don't know which way it's going. You see the momentum swinging back and forth as the quarters progress. It's just great to watch. And the Patriots yeah. losing and the Cowboys not involved. That's that what helps. we want to see. Yeah, that's what you I want mean, to see. Exactly. I said it to both of you guys. The playoffs now feel like your team's won on Thursday night football because there's no Cowboys and no Patriots and we can all sit back and enjoy yeah. the playoffs. It's all yeah. gravy. It's 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 fun again. We don't have to worry about Belichick being stood on a podium for another week going, oh, we're just going to do our one job. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anything like that. No. And it's, we're on to week one. There's kind of fun teams in it with some great quarterbacks in the playoffs still. You know, you look at uh, Sean Watson, you look at Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins. You know, there's some great players Ryan that can Tannehill. lead there. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Isn't it? It's the It's the changing of the guard as well. All the old guys are out. No yeah. old guys all, now. All the 40... It's all the young guys. The average age is probably like 24 or something for these quarterbacks. All the 40-plus quarterbacks way. lost their playoff games, including Josh McCown, which would have been weird if Josh McCown had been the only one to win as a 40-year-old yeah. quarterback, 40-plus-year-old quarterback. <laughs> yeah, would have been great, but uh, so near and yet so far. Talking about uh, so near and yet so far, how did we all do last week with the uh, wildcard round gambling? Um, let's start with... Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Jazz. So I won. Yeah, won again. I won again. Thanks. What to did you get again? Betting. What were your odds? My odds were 20.27 to 1. Oh. I had Texans minus 2.5, Titans to win, Seahawks minus 2, and Vikings plus 7.5. So when that Saints-Vikings game went to overtime, I'd already won my bet. I was happy. I didn't really want she- the Vikings to win, because as we've discussed at great length before, Ollie, Kirk Cousins is not my favourite player. But it won for my bet, so I don't really care. Save it so for you're, the. Uh... You're up by like 240 quid, Jazz, I think. Yeah, over that is correct. If you include the other bets I had, so say if we've done since week 13, isn't it? So I've had five yeah. pounds, so six pounds of betting? Five pounds of betting. Yeah. So 240 out of five pounds is not a, it's not a bad little return. God, you could have made over a grand if we'd done this all year. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, there's next year. <laughs> Maybe next hey, year I'll put job, five pounds man. a week on and I'll put hey, even more. We've got the we've got the draft that we can start gambling on as well. Who's gonna go first? Who's gonna go second? I mean we can get some oh, crazy odds on that. Plus, I told you I messaged you guys at the time, um, me and my friend Lewis during these games, uh, when there was a few lulls, especially during the Seahawks game, which was more boring. We were trying to guess the weight of oh, players yeah, yeah, yeah. in pounds. So that's some gambling uh, tips for you. If you get bored, may, guess the weights of the players, which I'm surprisingly good at. 
<laughs> it's a weird superpower. Yeah. The Guinness challenge than guessing the player weights. <laughs> I think it might that's, be the thing that I'm best at. That's something though that they do at fairgrounds, isn't it? Like guess the yeah, weight yeah, yeah. of the the giant person, the or something like that. Or how many mints are in the jar? Yeah. Well, I I guess Miles Sanders' weight dead on two hundred and eleven pounds, which is weird. <laughs> that's <laughs> very weird. Yeah, it was so weird. Yeah. How how did you do at guessing the outcomes of last week, Dave? Oh, uh, I went three three of four. The uh, the Vikings um the Vikings did me in, but it was such a great game that I um I accepted it. Um I was I wasn't sad and I don't like the Saints very much being a Falcons fan. So it was it was a that was one of the best games. So I was I was happy with the football, but obviously frustrated because I think that the Texan Texans Bills and the Patriots Titans were harder games to predict, and I got both of those right. So I got um, I got done in by the um, the heavy favourites game. But there we are. Fair enough. Well, I went. And Ollie? I went real bad on this week. I mean, it's been bad. <laughs> it's been bad, but it went it's real just bad. Just like his fantasy seasons, isn't it? Yeah, I got a. Uh, the guy's got... paid to do things for sport. Can't do anything right. Well, I went looking for odds and uh, and high odds at that. Well, actually, not that high odds. I, I took the Saints and they lost. I took the Eagles and they lost. <laughs> I took the Bills oh. and they lost. But I took the Titans and we all won. So it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> so one and four, but uh, you picked, I picked the uh, I picked the winner that one. I always wanted to win. Yeah. Well, fantastic. aside from the Eagles. I mean, they didn't win, but you know. Well, they Stuff were never happens. going to win, and we knew that. So, yeah, gave you. But it's the hope that kills, Ollie. It's the hope that kills. Oh, there was too much hope in that. We uh, we spoke about a little bit of the hope that the Seahawks gave the Philadelphia Eagles what third string in that yeah. wild card game. I mean, just embarrassing for the Seahawks more than anything else, to be honest. And we'll see how they do in the divisional round against the Green Bay Packers. We've got divisional round games coming up all weekend. Uh, with the Minnesota Vikings taking on the San Francisco 49ers. The Tennessee Titans have their game against the Baltimore Ravens. And then we've got the Chiefs, who get set to take on the Houston Texans. And we've got the Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers coming up this weekend. We get into all of that, all of that, our odds for the weekend, and a little bit of breakdown of the games that happened as well on Wildcard Weekend as well. Enjoy the podcast. It's coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again. And it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone and he's picked off. Back the other way. Oh, my last tweet was the officiating of the Minnesota New Orleans pass interference at the end of the game. And that it was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I watched the game, so I saw yeah, that. it was correct. So, yeah. Well, it wasn't, was it? It wasn't <coughs> incorrect. If it was incorrect, they would have reviewed it more and overturned it. Well, they didn't review and overturn. They didn't fine. Uh, sorry, didn't fine. They didn't uh, penalise Clowney for the hit on Wentz. Yeah, that was bullshit, though. Well, that's the same thing as a pass interference, motherfucker. The the thing is, they put that rule in place, and then they don't use the referral, which is weird to me. I don't know why they didn't look at it and then give it 
That was weird. But isn't the point... Because we all thought that they were going to do it, and then they just... Suddenly, the game was over, and they were talking to Kirk Cousins on the field, and I was like, oh, shit. But the officials said that Fox gave them all of the angles almost immediately and said, do you want to look at it further? And the officials in New York said, nah, we're good. We've seen it from all the angles that you've shown it to us, and we're okay with it. So that is kind of a... Yeah, it was like a really they quick, kind of it was reviewed just a quick it review. They were like, we don't need to look at it any further. We've seen it from all these angles that you've shown us, and we're okay with it. So they, they did look at it, but only yeah. briefly, and kind of went, nah, it's not worth it. Wouldn't time. it be better to look at it properly in, at that stage of the game in, in that, on that important a play? Well, if you're a Saints like, fan, obviously. But it's, isn't well, it no, the, I don't care about the Saints, but, but you know, I'm it, glad they But isn't it the same as like saying, uh, shouldn't you look but at I any game-winning score and see if there's holding on the line? Holding happens on every single play. It's just whether you get caught out. On no, it but they not. deliberately they didn't put this in place for offensive holding. They put this in place for pass interference. Yeah. yeah. So they literally put this in place for this situation and then didn't really use it. After a play or used it very, or Saints. used it very quickly, like well, you're saying. But they, I so they, I see why they're a bit like agree. But I didn't, I didn't think it was pass interference, so yeah, I don't give a shit. I, and I'm glad the Saints, off. you know, seeing Sean Payton at the end. I mean, it's just, it I just, mean, it just made me so happy. There's a push off, but there's there's hands jazz coming from both sides as that ball's in the air. So I think you can go. It's kind of six of one and a half dozen of the other, and we know that in playoff yeah. games they allow a bit more to go as well. I, I just don't think it's quite. I just don't think it's enough. After all, but I, the, I wouldn't have been like crazy surprised if they'd called it either. But I don't think it was like a really what we've seen this year clear thing. After every single like clear and obvious play uh, pass interference call that hasn't been overturned when reviewed, if they yep. then overturned that one, it would have caused far more hysteria of like oh so now suddenly in the playoffs on a game-winning touchdown now it's a problem if there's a minute or uh, semi-minute infraction of it the the officiating all year has been so inconsistent though so it would keep being keeping for it to be inconsistent yet again it's not been that inconsistent with it it's just been rubbish it's it's been inconsistently rubbish they haven't overturned the majority of the calls because they don't want to overturn the calls but they've been consistent with not overturning even the clear and obvious ones. So it's it's know. been consistently crap, but they but they've continued to be consistently crap. And out of all of the ones that have happened this year, the the one in the the one for the Vikings is one of the few that you would say, well, yeah, it's tit for tat. I would have thought. In fairness to the Saints, they, sh- they they only can blame themselves for losing that game. Yeah, to be honest, so good game though. It was a great game. I mean, the Vikings, I think, actually played amazingly on defense, especially yeah. to try and stop the Saints, who'd been scoring freely for the last few weeks. But it just came down to Kirk Cousins pulling out some plays in the fourth quarter and in overtime. And I thought, a bit like Josh Allen, it's a tale of two halves almost for them, that Josh Allen had a good... I'll get to obviously Josh Allen properly, but he had um, a very good first half and a really horrifically poor second half. And Kirk Cousins for three quarters made me believe that what I'm saying about him is all completely true. And yet he comes out in the fourth quarter, makes some clutch throws, some very good ones in fairness to him. But, you know, a couple of throws doesn't make a summer. Doesn't make him a good QB. Average. I'll give him average now. I'm going to average at best. So I watched it in Cardiff with um, some of my other friends, which I have. Uh, I did. <laughs> and friends. and I was uh, one of who's a Vikings Football fan, friends. and I was 
Yeah, and I was piping up about, I'd had a few beers as well, and I was piping up about how average Cousins is, and we basically rehashed the argument that the three of us have already had. Um, and continue and then, to have on the WhatsApp group. Yeah, and I really, and I said again about, you know, put Cousins in the two-minute drill at the end of the game, and he's not going to do it for you. And then he does <laughs> he exactly you. that. So you. I really feel like I can't talk about Cousins being average or average to bad for uh, for a few weeks. I'm just gonna. I don't. I, you know, we'll honest, talk about it again. I don't. We don't need to. Week. We don't need to go through the whole Kirk Cousins debate because we did it on the last podcast and we've done it for about a week on WhatsApp. Yeah. The the only thing I'm gonna say is that. I don't think the debate's ever, ever been really whether he's a good quarterback or not. It's the debate of whether he can do it in prime time or not. And this doesn't kill off the debate of whether he can do it in prime time or not, although he did do it in prime time. But most people think he is a good quarterback. And there's, I even put a little Twitter poll out after our last podcast. Oh, yeah. And it, and it came back with 68% people say he's a good quarterback. And. 30-odd percent say he's a I like how you say, well, let's not reopen this can of worms, and, and then you reopen it so. massively, <laughs> and you chuck the ring pull like, to the other side so, of the room, and you're like, you're like, yeah, I just want to have the last word on this, but you guys, no, you know, you guys can't talk. You're just no, trying to go me into it when think. I'm at my weakest because Kirk Cousins made me look like an ass. But he, did, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't have an amazing game, but he had a, he had a good no. game in prime time. And he, God, that he won throw, though. Game. That throw was the best oh, of his career, juicy. isn't it? it so, so sick. The big one to Thielen. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the one. That yeah, the fade was nice as well, but that's, you know, a lot of callbacks could do that. Massive disappointment yeah. on the Saints. Oh, well, so, some Breeze of Drew Breeze's throws were weird. 200 yards passing. Michael Thomas, 70 yards. He got, I, I went back and had a look. Out of the eight, out of the last 10 games of the regular season, he got eight, he got over 100. Oh, and wow. then he gets 70 in this game. And that the coverage was just great. I don't think it was really him and... I don't even know if Breeze... Breeze threw some poor passes, but the coverage, to me, seemed really good. Yeah, even Xavier Rhodes was there. good for a lot of the game, and he's yeah. been awful. There's lots of pressure. Griffin lots of pressure as well, yeah. Getting after him and getting after him pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. So if you have that, you're never going to be able to throw for that much because you haven't got the time in the pocket that they'd usually have. And that's yeah, sa- they go that's in tandem, safe- don't that's they? Yeah. safety pairing of uh, Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith as well. Just, yeah. Just great in terms of... It's a good defence. Getting- it's a good defence. It's a very good defence. It's well coached. It's well schemed. Yeah, they just showed up, but they haven't shown up for a lot of this year, I would say. And they, they, they rank kind of fairly averagely in uh, in most major stats. But they, they got it done. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, and then they tried to get Kamara going. I think we're all saying at half-time we're watching it. Um, you know, why aren't they getting Kamara going? They're not even trying to rush him. I think he had like four attempts or something. And then they tried coming out the second in the second half to get him going, and he still really did nothing. Well, that was um, that was the weird thing about yeah the first half. Alvin Kamara was four yeah four rushing attempts in the first half alone, and you kind of think yeah. Obviously, Kamara's a dual threat back in the you know receiving the ball and getting it in open field. The the whole point with Alvin Kamara is if you can get him in open field, he makes people miss and he's great. But he's also still a very good running back to go through the tackles. But it did surprise me when we were talking about that at halftime of that game, and then you go and look back at the rush offense of the New Orleans Saints, and it hasn't really done a whole lot, kind of exceptionally. Particularly when you add in that Taysom Hill takes up a lot of the 
uh, or uh, at least 20 to 30 yards at times as well. Uh, well, how good was Taysom Hill? Well. Taysom Hill I mean, was on what fire. More, what more could he do, you know? He must be felt, felt really gutted after that game. Yeah. His, gonna... uh, his wonderful scamper up the sideline after he hit and bounced off someone was just oh, poetry. Everything he did, everything he did was brilliant. Yeah. Loved it. But that was a game overall that the Saints, heavy favourites, had more than enough talent to go through and, and should have won that. And Yeah. And they've and as I say, it feels like they've only got themselves to blame for some of the decision making. For for the some of the breeze throws were weirdly bad, as in double and triple coverage with nothing really to go for, but just flinging out a desperation, which we don't often see from Drew Brees. And then, I mean, we we kind of said that Thielen being back would be important, and Thielen got going. Diggs didn't really get going until the latter part of the game, but. You know they tried him on a lot of reverses and uh, and jet sweeps, but receiving the ball, Diggs finally got going a little later on in the game, and and he and got Carl so Rudolph's... angry, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he getting was real... so moody. Oh uh, well, that's just that's just him all over, though, isn't it? He's he's really petulant. But Carl, Carl no, th- Rudolph but is seeing... real nice. Yep, but seeing Thielen, I was so impressed mentally for him because he had that fumble on like the first drive. Yeah, um, and then he had a couple of drops as well. And then he were they bad throws, you know and he gets maybe. he gets 120 yards or whatever overall it was you know he had a great uh well kind of comeback really during the game and then don't, he had that incredible play to to finish gone down to within you know the five don't yeah. think that didn't go under the radar jazz that oh were the were they bad throws to Thielen <laughs> by cousins like you're just trying to play this narrative too much someone's trying to get the last word here early and I'm going to get yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> but but what what we did also say in the last podcast was if the Vikings have any chance to get going, Dalvin Cook has to get going. And for a guy that's been out for a few weeks to come back and put on that performance and running oh, off man, tackle, yeah. he's just awesome when he gets to the edge. And if you can't slow him down, the Vikings have got a real chance. They didn't ride him as much as a game later on that evening. Uh, or Sorry, the previous day. But they did a real good job of just... like. It's working. Let's just give it to Cook. Let's just give it to Cook. Let's give it to Matson. Let's give it to Cook. Both of them, when they were asked to carry the ball, were excellent. And it opened up the game then for Kirk Cousins. Well, it's a bit like the Tennessee game with Derrick Henry just getting loose. If you can't stop the running backs that are getting five, six, seven yards a carry, well, you're always going to lose that, that battle because that's an easy pickup of first down second down and it's just it's, well the, it comes easy. the Derek Henry one is a uh, is a little bit different I mean he got 180 yards oh yeah he yeah. smashed I was literally we'll, we'll, like getting a first down we'll every course, single time he touched the ball I'm just paralleling the fact that if you have a running back that's getting you yards again and again and again with not really much resistance you're always going to be able to generate offense and keep the, the chains moving absolutely yeah so do you do you think that the Vikings have a chance now against the 49ers going into Levi's Stadium if Dalvin Absolutely. Cook and Madison can run like they did do against the Saints. Well, I think it's if their defense shows up like that, I think yeah. it will give them a chance against anyone. Um, that's that's the key, really. I don't think that their offense, even with Thielen back, Thank Diggs back. and Cook, I don't know. Are they going to be able to move the ball against the 49ers like that? I don't know. I think their defense is going to have to have a similar performance if they're going to win. But they could, you know. Why not? They're going to have they to be, got any injuries, you know. They're going to have to be good defense. up front because the Niners have that rotational, you know, Breeder, Mostert, Coleman backfield yep. that 
what uh just having a look here mustard 770 yards breeder 620 yards coleman 540 yards so it's a what reasonable about, what about wilson uh, Wilson's uh, only got 105, but only came oh, in okay. late on. Only came on in late on in the year, real late on in the year as well. To be honest, in terms of actually getting really involved in that backfield, yeah. but they've um, got so many options, haven't they? But they but do. there's going to be a, basically a fresh running back that can move the ball quite nicely in that San Francisco offense for a lot of it. So that that front line is going to have to that run D is going to have to be really on point. But the secondary, I mean, we've said it. If, if you if you it's a big ask, but if you can control Kittle as best you can. You can control a large part of the Niners' passing offense because they're good but not great receivers, a lot of them. And that secondary, if the Vikings secondary can play like they did against New Orleans, have got a chance then to really slow down Jimmy Garoppolo. And if that pass rush can get to Jimmy G as well. It's an offense that if Cook then gets running as well, that can go tit for tat with the Niners, even with the bye week that they've had. Before we carry on with the Vikings anymore, let's have a quick chat to a big Vikings fan and a fellow broadcaster who I know very well from around at TalkSport. Uh, I got chatting with Ollie Geel, uh, a broadcast journalist and reporter for Optus Sports in Australia and, of course, for TalkSport and ESPN UK as well. And we got chatting all things Vikings a little earlier in the day today. Look, I'm, I'm feeling good at the moment. I'm very uh, feeling very confident. I've got my purple primetime jumper on at the moment. Also looking at a fake ring that I've bought off the black market in China somewhere. Uh, and it's just a, essentially what w- it would look like if the Vikings uh, managed to win a Super Bowl. So I'm looking at it and it's filling me with a lot of joy, Ollie. It uh, really is. Um, actually, I've just seen on your Twitter account, they, there is a picture, I think, of said ring. What is uh, What is going on there? One win against the New Orleans Saints and you're jumping the gun already? It's a little bit presumptuous. Well, I actually bought it before the game, to be fair. So it's even more <laughs> presumptuous. But it's one of those, it's, it's actually really funny because obviously cost you cost me about a fiver. But when you feel it, the weight, you can really get away with saying, no, 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 this is real. This is real. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed in you know, two, three weeks' time, uh, it might be me and a few other boys having them. Well, look, if uh, the Vikings make it to Miami and they end up uh, winning it, actually, no, if they lose it and you're stood around Miami on the Monday after the Super Bowl trying to hock that for a plane ticket home, then uh, I tell you what, I won't be falling for it myself and I will be advising many people that it is not legit in any way, shape or form. Don't you worry, mate. I like it. I can just imagine standing underneath the jetty, you know, selling your sunglasses, you know, novelty (laughs) hats and then said ring. So, look, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings because... A lot of people wrote this team off immediately for the beginning of the yep. playoffs. Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback. We've got into that many times on this podcast already in its very short life. But we said last week on here that if Dalvin Cook got going, then the Vikings have got a chance. But they were excellent, excellent against the New Orleans Saints. And it wasn't just about Cook and Cousins. No, it, it's a it's a funny one. Because that's Vikings fans, to be fair, really enjoy the fact that we are incredibly underrated and so we can sort of fly under the radar so when we get to these game, big game situations that that's the that's the initial instinct is to, is to write the Vikings off and, and that you know to be fair we're, we're clearly not the best team uh, in the NFL so it's, it's sort of refreshing and nice to be going under the radar and just getting on with our business um, I think you're, you're spot on Cook was exceptional and not just because you know we, we know what he can do on any given day you know he's so talented and certainly having an MVP sort of a season he's been great but the Saints in particular have been so good at their defense when it comes to to the running backs like you know it's so difficult to get past them so 
I was so impressed because I really, really assumed it would just be a total shootout with just deep balls back and forth and back and forth, you know, Diggs and Thielen, Diggs and Thielen, and then obviously Thomas and the Saints do what they do best. Uh, but to see Dalvin Cook and also Madison as well, when he, when he steps into play, he is a, a really capable second string running back. So it was it was exciting to watch. It was refreshing. Obviously, we've been missing some of those big key gun players for a few weeks now. So it was exciting. I think the best thing about it was clearly on the road. Uh, mm. The confidence that must give them and certainly gives us fans to know that, you know, now going going over to San Francisco, I mean, you want to make it for us. But, hey, if we do it at the Saints, there's no reason why we can't do it at San Francisco. Well, I, I have been thinking throughout this run in towards the playoffs at the end of, of the season that most of the big sides in the NFC have had slumps this year. And if you catch yep. them off at the right time, like the Saints weren't great against the Vikings. There were a number of bad throws by Drew Brees. And the Vikings, to an extent, I think were fortuitous. I thought they played their way into that playoff as well as anybody else has done, though, in the playoffs so far. And, and you would say that their performance was excellent, obviously. And it's not just a case of New Orleans being bad that day. But the Vikings have a roster that's talented enough to be able to pick off anybody anyway. And a particularly if there's a team, a bigger side like uh, like the Niners have struggled towards the end of the year, if, if they have a slow second half like they have done in, what, weeks 14, 15 and 16 this year, th- there is a real chance the Vikings can do another one this weekend. Oh, geez, you're making me nervous. I almost dropped my phone because my hands are that sweaty. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I guess you're right. At some stage, you just need to, you actually just need to back them. And I think one thing in particular that we were able to draw out of that game against the Saints were... Vikings' defense were exceptional. You know, they've been subpar this season. We all know what they're capable of doing. I thought Daniel Hunter was exceptional. Everson Griffin, again. I'm nervous about Xavier Rhodes. Uh, you know, I think there's a kick in our armor, and I think it's Xavier Rhodes. Uh, I just, there were moments in that game against the Saints where I just felt like the personalities were boiling over, as well as Stefan Diggs. I thought that, you know, we saw him almost throw his toys out of the pram at certain times when he wasn't being targeted enough. And I'm just worried that in these massive game situations, all I can ask for is that these guys put all of that aside and they're just professional. Because I think when we saw Vikings at their very best against New Orleans, it was when they were disciplined, you know, doing the right things. Because you're, you're right, you know, Saints did make mistakes. They, they absolutely did. But the Vikings were just very clever in which they capitalised on those mistakes. So I think that if everyone can be really, really well-structured, well-disciplined, and just go in there with a no-hold-bards attitude against San Francisco, I mean, you tell me, why not? You know, why not? It's 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 a tough road, but hey, to win the Super Bowl, there's no easy games. So let's just, you know, let's really give ourselves a test. Do you see any comparables at all? And obviously I'm going to make this comparison to, to an extent of, of the Philadelphia Eagles and the season they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Vikings had to play in a wildcard game weekend, which the Eagles didn't have to do that year. But being the yep. underdogs and, and having a quarterback that a lot of the journalists and the news and the media don't back, I mean, there's, there's a galvanizing spirit to that that you can ride through these sorts of playoff runs as well. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think in particular, that's a, a feeling that, that really sort of resonates with me being a Vikings fan. And most Vikings fans would agree with me because, you know, if you're a really big organisation, you, know, you can have X amount of players and, you know, a great stadium and a great, you know, in a great city 
and that's all you need. But Vikings feel like they're always up against it. So anything we can take to galvanise that spirit, you know, that's that almost represents you know how we're going to be doing this. I do think that the Vikings are probably better than that Eagles side, to be honest, because we've seen what what's happened since then. It's been a pretty dramatic drop off for, for you guys. Like to be fair, it's it's not. I mean, it's obviously worth it because you want a Super Bowl. That's fantastic. So that's worth it. But I think across the board, Vikings are are a better team. So hopefully, with that in mind, that means we can emulate what you've done, and then hopefully carry that on for a couple of seasons. Who knows? That might be me actually getting lost in the ring now, to be fair. But still, <laughs> I was going to say, I think you're gazing too much at that purple ring on your yeah. finger and starting <laughs> exactly. to wonder. Um, just just finally then, Ollie, in terms of the, the rest of the playoffs uh, elsewhere around the place, because obviously the Seahawks were always going to beat that destroyed Eagles team um, in the AFC uh, wildcard round in the other game that weekend. And, and we've got obviously now the Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs stepping into the fray in the AFC. How do you see the rest of Sunday's divisional round going uh, when you look at the matchups? Mate, you know what? This is one of the first playoff sort of races in a while that, it's just so up for grabs. It, honestly, I'll make a fool of myself if I if I make an official tip there because, you know, the way that we saw New England get beaten, I didn't see that happening. You know, the way that we saw the Buffalo Bills game being played out, I didn't see that happening. And that's what's so exciting. Mate. Obviously, I'm really keen to see what happens with Green Bay in particular with the week off. Uh, I, I still don't think that they're you know, the fully made-up team. So whoever sort of, you know, if Green Bay win and whoever else sort of makes their way through this round and has to face them, I think that they can beat them. I think that's probably why in particular it's so exciting uh, being a Vikings fan because I'm actually reasonably confident going to Lambeau. So who knows, mate? I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air, throw all my notes up and just say this could be a real mixed bag this weekend. Who would have thought that a Vikings fan would come on and start crapping all over the Green Bay Packers on a podcast? Who never would have seen that one coming, not in a million years. Jeez. If I didn't do it, I've wasted my time. Hey. Yeah. Look, we we knock the Cowboys every second I can. So don't you worry about that. As you should. And as you should. Big thanks to Ollie for that. Last thoughts, gentlemen, on the Vikings against the Saints and obviously the Vikings now coming up against the 49ers. It'll be a very defensive I, game. Yeah, that's what's going to be. I think. I think so. I think so. I don't think it's. I think it's going to be really tight. Whatever. Whatever uh, the result is, I think it's going to be really tight. Now, I don't. You can't look past. It's foolish to look past a team like the Vikings after they go and do something like that. It's so impressive. The other You've thing got to as put well, your hands up a bit. The 49ers... No, they had something to play for a week. Six seventeen, didn't they? Or did they rest their starters? Can you remember? They rested their starters. Okay, so it the was, starters uh, got two weeks off then. No, no, they didn't. Sorry, it was against the Seahawks. Sorry, I was thinking the Ravens for some reason. No, it was that game against no, the Seahawks. because they were still going oh, okay. for a seed, well, yeah. Oh, of course it was. So they had one week off. The trouble you have is when teams have got that bye week, sometimes it's great to help them get healthy and get a chance to game plan. Other times, the wildcard team, if they have a big emotional win, a bit like the Vikings have had, can just start to get a little bit of momentum going. Yep. And suddenly they've become the hot team. And that's how some of the wildcard teams have made it to the Super Bowl quite a lot. Not recently, but in the past they have like the... Um, well, and uh, you look at the Steelers. 49ers this year. Back end of the year, the 49ers in the second half of games have been really poor. Yep. Really poor. So this is a game that the Vikings should look at and think, well, even if we get to halftime and we're trailing, we're still in this one. We hang around, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Even if you're not even that close. 
I mean, look at the margin of difference between the uh, the Niners and the Seahawks. It was like 16 points going in at halftime against the Seahawks yeah. in that last game of the season. And then the Se- and Seattle came back. I mean, look at the Falcons. It was a, really a, big li- a big lean blown in the fourth quarter in that one. So they're yep. susceptible to messing up late on in games. That doesn't play well into playoff football in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. They've had they've had uh, fourth quarter wins as well scattered throughout the season. No, I think no, that the, their problem sure. is you know much the same as the Seahawks is that they they play games so close that you think you know one slip up one turnover in that fourth quarter and you're done. You know if you play it that close to the wire, are you going to be able to go through the NFC and then play a team like the Ravens? You know, you, you, your luck's going to run out at a certain point. You feel if they if they play games that close all the time, and that's what we've seen from them. Yes, yeah, certainly the last six games this season is really close. Uh, it's I don't. I'm more worried for Sam Fran than I thought I would be. Yeah, for them me too, facing yeah. the Vikings after yep. what we saw against New Orleans. Yep. Certainly a lot more worried than I thought it would be, especially because how close the Saints and 49ers game was. Yeah. So you think that those two teams are quite evenly matched? Not saying the Vikings are are going to win because of that. But that Saints-Vikings game was also very evenly matched. You've got teams that are coming into the playoffs who are pretty heavily loaded, apart from, unfortunately, the Eagles. Um, we don't but have to worry teams, about them anymore. No, not at all. But the teams that came into the playoffs were all running quite high. I mean, you had three teams at 13-3, and three, the Seahawks at 11-5, and five, and the Vikings at 11-5 and five too? 10-6? They got double-digit wins. That's a very good season. Yeah. And some years that wins you the division. But Tennessee against Baltimore. And the Tennessee Titans at least did everybody a favour. Absolutely. In in one of the most tense playoff games that I've watched in a long time. Because there was never a point that you thought, "Our oh, Titans have got this," in no. any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I totally. Well, agree. even after even after they got the pick six off Brady, because that guy didn't go down yeah. at the two yard line yeah, or whatever, yeah. they still had that throw to the end zone at the end. And I still kind of thought, watching that, I was like, "He's probably going to get this." Yeah, Logan, Logan Ryan. Go. Well, it was Logan Ryan as well uh, with the pick six, and and it was. They they'll get it on the kickoff. The Patriots yeah. will score yeah, a the, touchdown yeah, on the kickoff or whatever, that's and it'll what be like, yeah, 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 yeah. They'll they'll get it in, <laughs> and then we'll end up going to overtime or. Oh. And they'll get it. They'll march on the field. They'll yeah. score. It's that air of inevitability, isn't it? That's that inevitability yeah. that. But it's different now, Jazz. Again again. It's different now. <laughs> so it's over. So first the work thing is from, done. First thing from that game, Tom Brady wasn't the reason why they lost it, and Tom Brady nope. will be back there next year. Oh, do you reckon? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I could see him leaving. I wouldn't see him in any other jersey apart from a Patriots jersey. He will take. He will see offers come in, and he will use them to leverage against the against the Pats to at least have a one year extension. You reckon? Yeah, I think he'll come back for one more year. I don't think he's going to want his last play to be a pick six. Because they they will feel. Oh, it'd be great if it. It'd be great if there was. I would love that. <laughs> He, well, it'd be great if he came back for another year and then he still threw pick another six. pick six to finish the year. He well, and Jameis Winston finishing their careers in the same style, baby. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. But, um, but yeah, so Brady, Brady will be back there next year. 
Uh, what where they lost it was they stopped running off tackle, which was something that they were doing really well against the Titans earlier on in the game in the first half, and then they just negated that midway through the midway through the game. Brady wasn't finding decent receivers because he's got a massive lack of weapons. Edelman had a number of drops, and Keel Harry and he uh, were not on the same wavelength for the majority of that game in terms bit, of passing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely awful in terms of chemistry. And I don't know, Sanu is like a... I don't know if he's, he's underutilized useless. or he's just become terrible in New England, but I really enjoy watching Sanu in Atlanta. And Dave, you'll be able to talk about this one. In Cincinnati as well, he was great, yeah. But in, in New England, with supposedly the greatest quarterback ever, Sanu's kind of nothing. Strange, isn't it? He's a bit more of a possession receiver, I guess, from what they try to do in New England. But then maybe just, they try to make him more of a vertical threat, which he's not really ever been, has he? Do you think McDaniels should take a lot more flack for this year? It doesn't seem like he is. But, you know, they're, they've gone from traditionally being a top 10 offence to, you know, dr- kind of dribbling out of the season, really. Oh, there's been a distinct lack of run game for the large part of the year, which McDaniels you should have a finger of blame towards. But when you look at the injuries. passing game and injuries, I I don't think you can point too much of it. In the same way you wouldn't blame Brady for the lack of offensive production. I think there's a case to say you wouldn't blame McDaniels because you can't polish a turd at the end of the day. And that <laughs> offense that offense is, is not equipped with it's not got the personnel. star players. No. No. And then when you lose someone like James Devlin, who is a pro ball pro ball fullback who has been opening holes up left, right, and centre for all the running backs. If you lose that first blocker making that lead, sorry, the first lead blocker making that hole that's allowing someone to explode through, your running game's always going to suffer because you haven't got that explosive, here's a door, let's open it for you, now go. Because then you have to usually have one or two players left to beat as opposed to having yep. a linebacker coming straight at your face. Their offensive line's always been one of the pillars of their success, hasn't it? Quietly yeah. getting it done. Mm. And it hasn't been this year yet. Which hasn't been bad, but it hasn't been as good as it should be. Or it has been in the past, should we say. Yep. But, but you're right. just... Weapons are the issue. And I think you credit... Well, I don't think Ed- Edelman's been poor as well. I don't know what you guys think. But... No, he's had, a lot of, he's had a lot of drops this year. I think somebody was saying he's one of the, he's one of the receivers with the highest number of drops this year or something like that, Julian Edelman. Which is very surprising. Yeah. Not but impressed... But he is a, a a playoff receiver as well. I mean, that's kind of his nature. He's got second most receptions in the playoffs behind Jerry Rice. But regular season, he's never been Captain Studley. You know, he's no. he's fairly consistent, but he's not making big numbers until it gets to the important point of the postseason. And you know, it didn't happen against the Titans. He didn't have a week's rest to be able to get those hands nice and nice and greased up with a bit of the uh, with a bit <laughs> with a bit of the glue, so he can hold on to the ball a little better. Attacking. Greased, greased up with glue. That's, uh, hey, you know what I mean. Oxymoron. That sounds good. Thank you. I think the thing you have with that though is, although he had lots of, he had quite a few drops. Considering Harry wasn't really getting open, Dorsett wasn't really getting open, Watson wasn't really doing a great deal either. Probably quite a few of the throws Brady had had to be forced a bit more. I mean, that first first down to Benjamin Watson. That's an uh, that's an age of eighty one between Brady and Watson combined, making the reception on a big third down play on their first drive. It's like you can't yeah. expect much. You, we're not really expecting a whole lot from Tom Brady at this point. You can't expect a whole lot from Benjamin Watson at thirty nine years of age to be going out and making like no. huge plays or anything. There's uh, 
they they miss Gronk as well. To be honest, like oh, they should have they should have re-signed Gronk the week beforehand. Like everybody was worried that they might do about eight weeks ago and brought him back well, in assume, just for the playoffs. I assume that there were conversations, but I think it it was there if he'd wanted it. Possibly. Yeah, but it, when you see him now, he's slimmed down massively. He's not the big, blustering tight end he used to be. Yeah. But he's he's not saying he's not still a unit. He still is, but he's just not as big a unit. Is he going to do wrestling now? Oh, I don't know. I'd he laugh knows. if he did, but I, I I just don't see why you do it. He's, he's got a really bad back injury, so why would you want to be jumping up and down something hard all day? Yeah. There's something wrong that... with your brain if you start doing that. Jumping up and down on something hard. Okay. <laughs> Love how your uh, your mind went there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Credit as well to the Tennessee Titans. I mean, <laughs> Derek Henry pounding it. It's a game where AJ Brown didn't do a great deal, but why do you need to do it if Derek Henry's getting 108 yards? Well, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't ask Tannehill to do anything in that game. I mean, it just no. got to a point where you knew exactly. So, uh, so we got talking on the on the show that night to um, Cameron Lynch, who's like uh, an ex Tampa Bay and St. Louis Ram uh, linebacker. And he said that he went up to do preseason. You know what we've seen on Hard Knocks yeah. when two teams go up and do preseason against each other, and they were doing pass rushing against Derek Henry, and Derek Henry was trucking them back into like trash cans and stuff like that oh, as dear. linebackers with a run up, and Derek Henry was just standing his ground and just fucking blowing them back into the trash cans on the sideline and stuff because He's a huge he guy. is just a unit. Yeah, yeah. And, and when that guy, I mean, he at one point he was averaging eight nine yards a carry in that first yep. and second quarter. I mean, it's yep. just unstoppable. And Tennessee were really smart. I mean, I kind of like Mike Vrabel when other people would have maybe tried to get a little bit too coy and be like, well, "Hey, we're running the ball really well, so now we should start throwing it a lot." Take him. Yeah, it was like no, like we'll just work Derek Henry. We'll give it's him thirty, give him thirty six touches for the whole game and make him drive our offense it was phenomenal to watch it was so old school and so yeah, fun well i mean it's Patriots kind of you know, if, you're, if you're doing something successful then why stop doing it and you know risk Tannehill passing on that great secondary you know they just that's that's just what they needed to do they were like okay well stop us running the ball and we'll do something else but they couldn't but they knew what they were going to do but they just couldn't stop it that was the yeah. thing Yep. You just couldn't do it. They yeah, slowed him down in the second half a lot. His average went from being something like 7.8 in the first half down to 5.4 in the second. And, and, and Henry wasn't but Henry wasn't that influential because the Titans did struggle. New England made some better adjustments and we had no scoring until that pick six in the second half. Both teams were completely nullifying each other in that sense. But the damage was done before that. And thankfully, Mike Vrabel's trickery with the clock, biting Belichick oh, yeah, back brilliant. in the behind. Brilliant. Oh, I loved that. That was one of my favourite moments. Did you of not the worry weekend. though? That was like baiting the beast initially. Like you saw Belichick was irate about something else apart from the clock as well. At that point, there was something else that happened that he was arguing with the officials, and then the whole clock situation was frustrating him too. But did you well, not worry at that, that point? Was, He's always that was grumpy. Having, um, that delay of game and then having the defensive encroachment which meant yeah. they could have another delay of game so the Patriots players screwed themselves over there not because of Freyball was being clever but he was able to be even more clever because of that that's just how you, that's what you should do though if you're a head coach you should know every single rule you can have 
in order to waste time if you need to. It's just what you should be doing. And thankfully, Bill Belichick highlighted that rule to all of us and against the Jets in a kind of a pointless game and uh, been the behind in a big spot, which Absolutely. is beautiful to see. Do you buy the rhetoric that immediately came out after the Titans win? That which was? Oh, this is going to be a much tougher problem for the Baltimore Ravens. The, t- the way the Titans play, it's actually going to be a real tough challenge for Baltimore to slow them down. And this might be the toughest challenge Baltimore will face in the playoffs. Well, I suppose you could say that if they can run the ball to a good degree, then they, they can eat up some of the clock and keep uh, that offense off the field, keep Lamar off the field for a bit longer. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't see that the the Ravens are just so well rested. I, I can't think that they've got any major injuries. There's no reason to think that they're not going to pick up where they left off, really. The Ravens have got a good D. They've got a very good secondary. Front seven still pretty good, but the thing will yeah. be that they could if Derek Henry can do what he did against the Patriots again, that's going to be a much closer game than everyone is expecting. But I think the Ravens' defense has been better than the than the Patriots' defense in the last five games. Say, oh yeah, so yeah. I think they've got the edge in that respect. But so, Derek Henry, you know, I mean, he's just running so well. I mean. So the you can't Ravens, count him out from having another monster, can you? The Ravens' D in the last five games against the 49ers, they allowed 174 rushing yards. They allowed 104 against the Bills, 103 against the Jets, and then 57 and 91 against the Browns and the Steelers. So they've had two games under 100 rushing yards against them in the last mm-hmm. five. Yeah, but so, against the Steelers doesn't count. Yeah. So you look at... You might as well have been playing against people who weren't there. Well, and, and against the Browns, to be honest. Yeah. So against decent team, well, and Jets aren't even a decent team, but against the Jets, the Bills and the 49ers, they allowed over 100 rushing yards. Yeah. So they can be run on. Yep. It's the thing just... with that 49ers game, though, is obviously we said it before, but that was the really bad weather game. So they're always going to be a rushing. Yeah, true. Scores true. That's true. That, you, that probably skewed, skewed that stat a little bit. But yeah. then, you, yeah, you've got the other games as well. It's going to be It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting. I, I want to see... It is crazy how much we were talking about AJ Brown in the yeah. last podcast. We were so excited to see him against uh, Gilmore. And then uh, we just didn't, didn't get anything. Did, how many targets did he but get? T- Tannehill threw 15 times. Tannehill threw 15 times that night. That so, was it? Yeah, 15 passes, eight, com- eight completions. <laughs> Marcus Mariota how many to threw Brown? one. Uh, AJ Brown was, uh, caught one was targeted once. Wow. Well, if you only throw One eight, for one, baby. Only eight completions. <laughs> Four yards. Well, yeah. So. That just goes to show how dominant Derrick Henry was. He managed to win yeah. the game throwing 15 passes. The intelligent, oh the intelligent thing as well was uh, the Tennessee Titans uh, throwing to Anthony Ferkser for both a touchdown and a big third down completion on one of their late drives in the fourth uh, quarter. Was Ferkser was covered by, I can't remember the name of the Patriot now, but by the guy who had come in to replace Patrick Chung, who went out injured. Uh, okay. And it was Mike Vrabel immediately picking up on that. I thought the Titans actually coached this game really well in terms of seeing, okay, Chung's gone out. That's a weak spot we can hit. We'll dial in Ferkser on the, uh, on the touchdown nice pass spot, and on yeah. the third down spot. Yeah, yeah. very cool. So, so Mike Vrabel, after... 
I mean, there were questions, particularly when he uh, went to Wembley last year and tried against the Chargers on a two-point conversion to win the game and stuff like that, and, and play calling was a bit awry on that day. Vrabel coached this game really well from the sideline, and if he can, if if they can coach it well, as we've seen in the latter part of the season in the playoffs, like, coaching it plays a huge edge. factor, yeah? yeah, huge factor. Especially when these games come down to really fine margins, if you can have, if you can out coach someone, you can make up for a lot of talent being lacking just by having people in the right place at the right time. Because if you have superstars, fine, they're going to usually beat their person one on one, and you're going to get the benefits of that. But if you haven't got that, you've got to be more creative in doing so. And you look at someone like Carl Shanahan with offense; that's how he works, putting people in the right place so you can't cover everyone. So it should always be an easy throw somewhere. If Rabel can do that and keep on top of the personnel that, you, like you said there, there's no reason why they can't make a big dent in that game. And it's the playoffs. I think that the any game ta- can be won. Yeah, any one. game. I think Tannehill's going to have to do more in this game, though, isn't he? I can't imagine, even though the Titans' defense is certainly not shoddy, I can't imagine them keeping the Ravens under 25. So he's going to have to. Yeah, he's going to have to throw it at some point. He's going to have to sling it. He's not going to throw it 15 times, is he? Do you want a little side bet? Tannehill rushes for more yards than Jackson in that game. <laughs> what? A, a, a pint, what? Pint, Where's a, that coming from? Beer in it. I'm just going to put that out there. That Ryan Tannehill gets more pass, uh, more rushing yards than, than Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That is, that's wild. Yeah, I'll, I'll take, take that. that. I'll take that massively. That's a beer. Of course. Yeah. Put a beer in it weird okay why there's got to be a justification for this this is not picking it out of the ether it's just a, that's just a feeling you've got isn't it it's a little bit of a feeling because the quite a lot of a feeling because it's a big I ass feeling if they <laughs> have um one of the titans linebackers just spying jackson a lot rabel will have an idea of how to try and slow him down having been around when vic was playing have more of an idea of what they tried to do to try and stop him and Tannehill didn't have to do much passing, but maybe they'll think, okay, we don't have to do much passing. We'll do a few play action, but do play action with a sweep of the quarterback instead. Because he does have some wheels on him. How many times has Tannehill rushed for over 50 yards this season, though? That's an excellent question. I couldn't tell you Because that. I just can't... You, you know, you're really saying that Jackson's going to get... Not much. ...that kind of level, like 40 yards, something like that. That just seems unthinkable. I'm saying unthinkable. he gets up. Ryan Tannehill's had 185 yards rushing all season this year. Against the, what, 1,000-something for Jackson? Have you got his highest one to be charitable, Ollie? Uh Yeah, I've got his highest 40. one was against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that powerhouse of the NFL. He managed to pick up 40 yards. Oh, there we go. So, his three... so you're saying that you're <laughs> saying that if, if even if he excels his best game this season, so it's Jackson's going to be his gonna best have to game. Go. You watch. This is, okay, I like it. It's weird. Um, I think it's dumb. <laughs> it's but... got a feeling. move away from that and uh, talk about the Houston Texans taking on the Kansas City Chiefs the Texans got get out of jail free card thanks to Josh Allen finally proving that he is a terrible quarterback albeit later on in the fourth quarter he's a good receiver I'll give Josh Allen that he's a hell of a receiver and he takes a hit on a goal line (laughs) he took an absolute hit on a goal line but (laughs) I mean yeah embarrassing I I totally agree with that I, yeah, I, I don't think agree that your that. feelings about Josh Allen and like my feelings about Kirk Cousins and vice versa for me and you. He's average. 
He's very average, and he had three decent quarters, and then just completely, excuse the French, shit the bed in the fourth quarter. He tried to do everything, couldn't do anything, and at one point tried to turn to Sonny Bill Williams with his little back of the hand handoff, which what? I thought oh was impressively skillful. That latter was insane. That was impressively skillful, but that was <coughs> definitely not what you should be doing in that situation. Ever. Well, the, Unless you had, the... had, you had say, Devin Singletree next to you and you had a chance to... Actually, no, this might just work. But nine times out of ten, because NFL players aren't used to that improvisation, they would have fumbled it and dropped it anyway. Yeah, that's why they only do it on the last play of the game when they're desperate, because it's dumb. And half the players take five minutes on the sideline to suddenly almost drop back and then lateral it across the field in a QB style. It very rarely comes out as a little pitch or anything like that when they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I see it it as kind of the whole season of Josh Allen condensed into one game, where we got to see the, the good, him rushing, him throwing some nice balls into tight areas, and then we got to see the god awful where it he's just making the tight. worst decisions. He made some good throws in that first quarter, especially. He had a he lot did. of open receivers to hit, though. Like a lot of those catches mm, were made some in of, space. Some of them were in tight coverage as well. Yeah, and so um, if, if, if he hadn't have had a really bad fourth quarter already this week, you'd be eating your words on Josh Allen. Yeah, and he was managing the game well. They were six sixteen nil up. He was kind of doing what he needed to do when their defense was playing so well. And then, yeah, it just kind of fell Watson apart. Watson had some magic. Absolutely. He's pretty magical, that, that Deshaun just, you Watson. You just can't count him out, can you? Oh, it was so good. It was just great playoff football, wasn't it? Him just yeah. gutsing it out. He was just like, I'm not losing this game. And I, Josh, Josh Allen lost that game as much as he won it. But, God, he put that on that game on his back, didn't he? When he got the yeah. two-point conversion after getting... That rushing that touchdown, rushing touchdown amazing, already, yeah. where he's dragging two defenders in. I mean, for the size of him, he's got a hell of a lot of power, hasn't he? To yeah. get over that goal line in that situation. It's amazing. So yeah, Sean Watson is something pretty special. He get he had that uh, turn away from two sacks in one play when two guys basically jammed him in the middle of the pocket and he was able to That's use one guy's though, momentum. Yeah, but momentum. Still, but it's still balance. It's still oh, yeah. balance and composure in that moment. like it, And then he has the presence of mind to roll away, roll into space, still make the play. And then and the guy JJ, caught it, decided to go a little sidestep and beat a man and then made it for 30 yards. And and JJ Watt as well in this game. Oh, I love I that. mean, he was taking so much abuse over like two and a half quarters of, oh, why are they bringing JJ back in? Oh, he's not providing anything. And he end of Huge that game, shot. he just started really going off. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. think of a more likable player in the NFL from my point of view. I just, even if I didn't support, I don't support Texans, but if I hated the Texans, you can't help but like JJ Watt. He always gives it every single bit that he's got. I don't know about that. I think that there's some, I don't know, if you follow him on Instagram and stuff, he's a bit kind of showy, kind of celebrity kind of football. Like, I mean, I'm not sure would, if though. he's, I'm not sure if he's as nice as maybe he's kind of like, I'm not talking Axe about being all nice the time, guy. but you, uh, what I would say instead to like put my own spin on it is, you you're saying you can't help but like him. I'm saying you can't help but watch him. Like you've got you just your eyes just get drawn to him. Like yeah. on every play, you're just waiting for him to do something awesome. How how cool was it that um, 
Well, it didn't happen, but when Josh Allen, this is probably this is when he started doing making bad decisions, when he passed through J.J. Watt's hands. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was still in the first half, actually, before JJ Josh Allen started pitch. doing really badly. But yeah. uh, how good would that have been if that had been a pick six right there? Yeah. So well, close. The, the thing you, I, I look at in this game is uh, you see the uh, the three Stephen Hauschka field goals in a row that were after the Josh Allen touchdown. Yeah. And and that all of those were drives that got the Bills down towards the kind of 20-yard line or so. Uh, 40 yard field, two 40 yard field goals and a 38 yard field goal. So you, well, you take seven yards and another 10 yards. So you're getting you're getting down towards that last quarter of the of the field, and the Bills, after driving all that way, weren't able to turn that into points. Similar to the Eagles against the against the Seahawks, you know they get down towards the end of the field and weren't able to turn it into points. And if they had done, that game was over and done with. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Well, they, you know, they had how many sacks did they get on Watson? Was it five or six? Um, they made it there. Hughes quite a and lot. Hughes and Murphy. I think they got five or six between them. Um, and it wasn't all. You know, we're we're singing Watson's praises, but it wasn't all Watson doing the amazing things as well. You know, he had a poor first half. It wasn't that his offensive line was letting everybody through yeah, all the time. He was holding times. on. He was holding on to the ball so much. Yeah, and that's what he does. So it is what sacks. he does. It's the best. It's it's just an interesting game because we're so, talking about the best so and worst it, of Joss Allen. It's the best and worst of um, Watson as well. So does it know? work against another great secondary in the Kansas City Chiefs? Because I mean, the secondary of the Bills is is very good, and the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs have got so much better at, with, as a secondary unit as the season has gone on. Does it does it work again? Do the Texans get away with it when that Chiefs offense has got Patrick Mahomes and? And a, and a much better set of weapons than the Bills do. Yeah, are they going to be able to keep them under twenty? Yeah. The no, but o- the Chiefs gone. But o- offensively, that's the thing. Like the Bills weren't able to turn field goals into touchdowns, whereas you would back the Kansas City Chiefs to turn at least one or two of those into another touchdown or so. And if they do that, then that's suddenly putting the game away from the Houston Texans. And because Watson yeah. and because Watson holds the ball for so long, it may not be the best pass rush, but you don't need the best pass rush. You just need a pass rush that can eventually get to Watson when he's holding the ball for as long as he does, and and can tackle. I mean, obviously you need to be able to bring Tackling the guy helps. down. Yeah, being able to Tackling bring the guy helps. down is massive. But I just think I think you're going to get secondaries. Uh, the Kansas City secondary are going to force sacks on Watson with their coverage, especially if Will Fuller isn't fit to play. Which I don't think he will be. I'm sure, so, like week 16, he said he'd be out for the season. We're out for three or four weeks. So unless he makes us the Super Bowl, he's probably not playing this year. I heard that he was going to play this week, but well, I think I that the rumours that that's the well. Look, I mean, I think like you've said before, Jazz, he's a game time decision every week. So if you know, plays, anything he that you, you hear now snaps. is oh, his hamstring's gone again. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's it's only Tuesday today, so. I won't believe what I'm told. That's the unfortunate thing about recording so early is like you've got no hint of what's really happening in terms of injuries and stuff up until you know you want to know by about Thursday of what's Yeah, we happen. should record some like um some add-ons Inserts, expansion yeah. packs. Add-on yeah. Download, <laughs> this is the expansion content. pack for this week. <laughs> and, and we're not sure what's going to happen with Will, will Fuller will be available. Oh my god. <laughs> like... Yeah. Just seamless editing. And also, Kansas City aren't going to have to be too bothered about a run stop because the Texans don't really have a great run game aside from. Dude, Johnson know, had not didn't have a bad game. It didn't have a bad game, but I wouldn't I wouldn't ever be worried as a playoff defense go uh, taking on Duke Johnson and and Carlos Hyde. Yeah, 
C- compared yeah, to the majority of the running games in the playoffs this year, that would be one of the least least threatening tandems that I would I'd worry about. Of the ones left, it's probably the, is the weakest. So I I'd, I would focus on what you can shut down, and that's shut down Hopkins, shut down Fuller if he plays. I mean, that secondary is still good enough to shut both of them down. And Mahomes is yep. more than capable and better than Josh Allen, I think, in decision making and playmaking. He's got more playmakers around him in Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. A, a, and, a, and a kind of a plethora of running backs that all have filled in. I mean, the, to be honest, the number of players in that Kansas City offense that have filled in this year and have still been able to be lights out when Mahomes was firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and I think they've got a defense which has got contributing players all over the place as well. It's so great to see Tyron Matthew playing well again, mm. to see Frank Clark playing well again. There's just a lot to like, isn't there? It doesn't feel like it's all built on two players, does it, this team? I know Ma- Patrick Mahomes is obviously the star, but it that's, feels like you've got so many pieces on both sides of the ball. That's why they're going to go to the Super Bowl, Dave. That's why the Ravens won't make it. Uh, talking of which, let's get into the last game. Uh, Green Bay against the Seattle Seahawks after Seattle. I mean, it was finishing the weekend off in such a whimper. Uh, the Seahawks against the Eagles. The Seahawks oh, are able to win. And they game. take on a Green Bay side that probably aren't that great as well and still sit on 13-3. and three. Uh, The only trouble is, in my opinion, is that this Seahawks side, I mean, they're so beaten up, not quite as badly as the Eagles, but they're still a beaten up Seahawks side. They don't have a running game. Marshawn Lynch isn't Marshawn Lynch at the end of the day. And it's going to be a case of, can Russell Wilson drag the Seahawks kicking and screaming through another playoff game? And probably not against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. I reckon he could. Tell me why, guys. Tell me why. I think it's good enough, and I don't trust the Packers' defense enough. And the Packers' offense has been so run-heavy and so... Based on Rogers dropping back, oh, I'll just stand here and wait till someone gets open fifty yards down the field, rather than taking a simple ten-yard reception to move the chains. That I think that this is going to be again. I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself. Another low-scoring game, and if it's a low-scoring game, I don't think you can count out either of these quarterbacks to make a play either with their legs or an absolute dime of a throw at some point. And DK Metcalf had a great game last week. There's no reason why he can't do the same again. Tyler he looked like Julio quiet. Jones out there, didn't he? He looked amazing. He did. Or T.O. even. It's very easy yards. to look really good against the Eagles secondary. That's a, that's the only thing. I really like yeah, Metcalf. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. let's not... I don't, know, I don't know how the Seahawks really kept that... Close. <laughs> ...game so close. Well, you know, how I think that's why, even though I'm really confused by Green Bay as a team, I don't really understand how they got to 13-3... and three. And I'm quite bored watching them a lot of the time. Yeah. But I I just think that the Seahawks, I don't know how they didn't beat up on the Eagles, given what happened. And they just didn't look that impressive. I mean, Russell Wilson, you can't, it seems like you can't count him out. If you put the three of us and some of our friends on the field with Russell Wilson, at receiver still we have a chance. You yeah. have a chance. You still feel like it's going to be a chance that he's going to do something. Yeah, because um, there'll be bad so, coverage and he'll run for 30 yards like he did against the Eagles. But I think the, I think the Green Bay are going to be uh, massive favourites in this, from well, what I saw from Seattle. And I don't think Seattle were that impressive 
to what they went off the boil towards the end of the season as well. It, it's just not. It's been said a million times that that Eagles offense in particular and at Lambeau as well looked like yeah. a looked like a preseason game. Um, Dallas Goddard with seven receptions, and after that, Zach Ertz with two. Greg Ward with three, Boston Scott with three, Miles Sanders with three, Deontay Burnett with one. I mean, like none of those names apart from Zach Ertz will leap off the page to you, really. Uh, like Miles Sanders has been a really good rookie this year for the Eagles and everything, but um, he's he's too young and hasn't been prolific enough this year. That you'd say put the game on his hands in any way, shape, or form. He had that big drop as well on a third down, which was uh, which was frustrating. But for the fact that the Seahawks D actually couldn't slow down that offense for a lot of drives. I mean, McCown Yeah, they were still was moving the ball right to the, the end, weren't they? Yeah, moving yeah. the down uh, the field. was looking better than Wentz. That's not crazy. That's not true. McCown was still holding on to the ball way too long before chucking out there. I was getting really frustrated with him towards the end of the game because he was in a Nick Foles situation where it was like all or nothing and he was still holding on to the ball and taking hits and taking the sacks. It was like at a certain point, given the situation, you got you've got nothing it. to lose, throw it up there. Nobody cares if you get picked off. Like yeah, literally no nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you not throwing it? It was really frustrating. And it's it felt like maybe if he had been a bit looser, you know, the receivers obviously need to get open a little bit more as well. You know, maybe they could have won that game still. That well, and that is such an indictment of the Seahawks that we're even like c- contemplating that. Well, there's there's three things it's in that joke. game that you think. So the first drive that McCown had, they played it really safe, and I yeah. agreed with Chris Collinsworth when he said after that first drive, he said, "Just take the training wheels off. Like, don't treat him like a backup quarterback that's never played before. Like, just let him go in there and run your offense and see what happens. Yeah, he's what been else playing have you got it to his lose? whole life. Yeah, so." Could have done that on the first drive. Could have taken the points, uh, the field goal with five minutes to go in the fourth. Oh, the that drove you mad, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. taking the you points. You were so annoyed, Ollie. Take like, those that points was... changes take how points. you look at the game. And I was yeah. so glad, like, ten minutes later, you heard on Sky Sports, Jeff Reinbold was like, I'm just saying, I would have taken the points like at that point. I was like, Oh, I totally right. agreed yeah. with you at the yeah. time, yeah. Yep. Yep, just yep, changes yep. how that game looks suddenly because you're within a touchdown to win it as opposed to you need a touchdown to at least get yourself level with a two point conversion. And you've been moving the ball, so there's a chance that you will get there again. And you've been stopping Seattle at that point, and yep. and, and that's well, the other thing. Like the Eagles' D has been really good, yeah. But yep, you, that's what and I was you were say. stopping Seattle. This uh, this yeah. isn't the Seattle offense that isn't. It's not all conquering in any way, nope. shape, or form. No, and that you know Green Bay. Where do we rank these defenses? You know, I think the Eagles have got a. You know, Fletcher Cox had a really really good game. His Monster. best game of the year that I've seen. Really big game, yeah. Um. So. But as you said, you know their their secondary gave up 160 yards to a rookie. Um, they didn't, you know. We've got to give Green Bay some credit. I think that their defense is top half in the NFL, and better than the Eagles' defense on av- on balance. I would say for the season. So how is are we expecting Seattle to suddenly move the ball on them? Sometimes you do play down to the teams you play. If you have a really good team playing a they are guilty a crappy of that, team, yeah. yeah. So you're always going to yeah. have a case of, well, you'll just think, well, we can still win this, so we'll just play it a bit easier. No offense to the Eagles, but I think all the teams that came out were going to come out of the NFC East this year to the playoffs were pretenders. Whipping boys, yeah. Yeah, because fundamentally, though, none of them were good enough. And we all know that. Everyone's just glad it wasn't Dallas. But it's a case <laughs> of. The Eagles needed some miracles in order to win that game, and they almost got them 
but still the Seahawks managed just to basically grind out the win. And again, getting the win on the road gives them confidence that the well, I can we can do that and get going. So for me, Seattle against Green Bay comes down to if you can stop Devontae Adams and can slow the, him down, then you've got a chance and limit his catches. And then you need to control the tandem out of the backfield of Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal, Jamal Williams. Williams. Yeah, because Aaron, Aaron so Jones can run Jones the ball first. nicely. Yeah, you slow down that run game, great. But but Jamal Williams as well, though taking receptions out of the backfield has been a a tidy player this year and doesn't get as much credit as he probably deserves, particularly in a team that is struggling for for big name catchers like yeah. Alan well, Lazard. I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling. We were expecting more from, but yeah, Jordan Allison, same thing. They're, they're struggling. They're struggling across the board on offense. They're fifteenth in points per game. 18th in yards per game, 17th in pass yards, 15th in rush yards. I mean, you know, for them to be a, a top seed is... This is why I'm so confused by them as a team. But I, I do think, despite all of this stuff, I think that they've got the edge in every position apart from quarterback in this matchup. And obviously... Oh, interesting. Yeah, you think Rodgers and... Is, Rogers is or Wilson? Wilson? At the moment, yeah. I mean, from what we've seen from Rodgers this season, outside of a few flashes of games, you can't say that he's better than Russell Wilson at the moment. I don't think anybody would well, say Wilson that. Wilson was on for the M- MVP at one point this season, whereas that's not yeah. been mentioned for Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I, I give you that, to be honest. Um, and I think so a lot of that comes only, down and, to his playmaking. But, well, that's the thing, but I was, you know... Just finishing that point, that's I mean, that's to my point that I think the Green Bay are better in every every part of the game, maybe not in receiving and quarterback, but they've still got Devontae Adams, they've still got catches out of the backfield, and they've still got a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who can turn it on at any time. And they're at home. And they're at home. I just can't see it. I think it's a I think the Seahawks are huge underdogs. That home advantage though. Granted, going from Seattle so west to east does always tend to be a bit more of an issue for teams going from the the west coast. But if you're playing a dome team like the Saints, fair enough, that home field advantage would be a lot bigger because you go from a team that's used to playing indoors and, well, in nice temperate weather to probably snowing. But the Seahawks are used to the cold and they're used to a loud, noisy stadium. So it's not as if you've got a team that's not used to having that insane level of noise is going to put them off or that horrible cold that's going to make their hands Yeah, but the noise it. is but the noise isn't normally on uh, when the offense is on the field. No, I know, but at the same time but you have the teams used to hearing that level of noise and it's not a big shock to them having it. Well, I think that's fair. I mean, I can't imagine that Russell Wilson's going to get spooked is he? No. So really Also that it. was that was uh, just going back to that that noise isn't normally with the offense thing. That was one of my favorite comments from Mike Mike Tarico was doing the radio call of the Titans game and he said uh, he said this weekend it's really funny how uh Brady comes up to the line and then he's asking the crowd to quiet down as the chance of Brady 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 go around Foxborough and then the fans that know what they're doing here at Foxborough sit on their hands and let the offense go to work which was such like a subtle slam of stupid patriots fans that just yeah. go there to see Brady and be part of the whole with the patriots thing love I Mike missed Tarico that I can't believe <laughs> people cheering when you the offense is on the field like, is it their first game Start with uh, start with you, Dave. Uh, 
if I can find it. Let's start, let's start with you, with you, start, you Jazz. I'll just go, shall I? So I've gone spread betting all for all four games here to try and create some sort of odds because the trouble with having four games and such heavy favourites in a few of them, if you just okay. pick the outcomes, as we're all probably going to say, if you just pick the outcomes, you don't end up with very great odds and you don't really no. be wasting money if you can avoid it. So I've picked every single underdog, so every single road team this week. So I've got the Seahawks plus four. Titans plus nine, the Vikings plus seven, and the Texans plus nine and a half. Because I think all these games are going to be much closer than they're predicting, especially the the Texans, Titans, and Vikings game. I can see them being not as high scoring as they have down. So I think the Seahawks is the only one. But again, that one is going to be a run-heavy game from my point of view. And again, probably going to be quite quite tight. What have you said in the Seahawks one, sorry? Plus four for the Seahawks. So you think it's going to be, they're going to lose, but... By less by than four. Goal. Wow. We're just seeing that game so differently. I just don't see Rodgers and the Packers offense going crazy on them. And I can see Wilson making enough plays to keep it close. Uh, I, yeah. See, yeah. I see the Packers to to do that even with the spread being at minus four. So I've gone for the Packers. I've gone minus, minus four. four. Okay. Yeah. So I see the Packers winning that by four at least. I've had to do spread betting as well. I've had to Join the dark side of Jazz's yeah, gambling just to, to get the odds, that just to to get again, the odds didn't up. I? But you wish you'd listen that other time. Uh, well, I know. I wish I knew what I was talking about now. <laughs> I had to do a bit of research on what is spread Bloody betting. Donuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, your your last Google search. What is spread betting? It's not a joke. It's definitely that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I did it as well. <laughs> uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I've gone to win by ten points over the Texans. Uh, with you the spread. went for the, the Chiefs minus ten. Minus nine point five, yeah. Okay, no, jeez. Okay. Yeah, Chiefs, to, Chiefs to blow them out. I've gone for the Texans. Uh, sorry, for the Titans against the Ravens to beat the spread. So the Titans to be within nine points. Yeah. Of the Ravens, I've got that as well. And for yep. the Vikings to be within seven points of the Niners. Yeah. So okay. I'm, giving, I'm giving the Vikings a chance as well. So you've got what every road team apart from the Packers. Yeah. And what I, to be honest, that, I was real close for giving the Vikings a win against the Niners. Okay. I think they I think they might be the surprise package of these playoffs. That gives me uh 13 to 1. I should say mine's 12 to 1. Huh? I didn't I didn't say mine was 12 to 1, but we do oh. our bets. All right, yeah. I thought you said minus 12 to 1. I was like, what does yeah, that mean? Yeah, yeah, I was confused. I was like I was like, do we not understand spread betting? Is this a spread <laughs> this betting a, yeah, thing? Is this a spread thing like uh I've got minus 26 <laughs> to 5. All right. <laughs> Dave so I have got kind of similar to Ollie. So well I've, well, I've got one. I've got San Francisco um, beating the Vikings, and I've picked. This is what's jacked up my um, my odds because I've picked them to win within one to six points. Um, okay. So they have to so get narrow so the margin even more. Y- yeah. So that's I could get all the rest right, and then they win by seven points, and uh, I'm in trouble. Um, but I put that one in there. I've got Titans. Yeah. Titans lose, um, but within nine, which you already said. Um, I've got Houston lose within nine points as well. And then I've got Green Bay Packers just to win. Um, because I, you know, I just... You can't see the Seahawks in it. 
Yeah, and I I'm already at twenty five to one with those, so oh, I kind of wow. didn't need to go anything um, anything more. I think it's that San Francisco point, picking the points point. there. I think that that is that really narrows it down because that seems quite unlikely. But I could just see it. I could see that game being super tight. Yeah, and that that's the one that I think I think we're all agreeing that that is the one that might be the upset. Um, so, but I could just I, you know I could see them winning by like a, a field goal in that or something. I'm picking San Francisco because I like them as well. I want them to go through. Fair. Fair enough. Fair, Fair enough. enough. Well, good luck. Yep. Good luck to you, gentlemen. Good luck. Not you, Wally. Go Vikings. <laughs> Go Kirk Cousins. Oh, don't most, do that. Most underrated quarterback in football. Uh, is he though? Uh, is he not? opening the can of worms yet again? Is that what he's he doing? is? And and he is the host of the show, so he can and has editing have the and he has editing <laughs> power, so he can <laughs> literally. I think I can see him editing now. <laughs> Are you editing this right now? Big thanks for listening to the podcast this week. You can follow us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm and all other good podcasting outlets. Just search for UK Pick 6 Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Pick 6 underscore pod. That's at Pick 6 underscore pod. You can actually follow Dave on Twitter now. That's at David Bluck 1. That's at David Bluck 1. Myself on O underscore J underscore Wilson. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram as well which is UK underscore pick underscore six underscore podcast. That's UK underscore pick underscore six underscore podcast. Remember, if you are going to gamble, you must be 18 or over. Visit BeGambleAware for more information on gambling aware. That's BeGambleAware.org. And odds are subject to change that were mentioned in the podcast earlier. Enjoy all the NFL divisional round of playoffs, and we'll be back in a week's time. <laughs>